Hey everyone and welcome to The Year Was, the podcast all about today that gives you just enough information to effectively be that guy at the party causing all your friends to question, hey, who invited you? Like, seriously, why are you here? I'm your host Michael Montalvo and for the next few minutes we will swim through the river of time to try and find out what makes today truly unique. In this episode we examine the events that occurred November 2nd. People like big things, the more the merrier and whatnot. People also like to hear stories of the rich and famous, and so today I thought we would do that and look at perhaps one of the richest and the famiest of all the people that I have talked about on this thing that I do. Actually, that's not fair. We are talking about a thing and not a person today. The world was at war in the 1940s with the Allied and Axis powers delivering blow after blow to each other in hopes of finally turning the tide of war in their favor and deliver a win for either Hitler or democracy. The efforts to win the war were not made only on land, sea, and air, but also under the sea. Under the sea were gliding through the water like fish glide through water. Submarines set up a shop and took down any ship unlucky enough to get into its sights. German U-boats were especially troublesome for those that ventured across the Atlantic Ocean, especially if one happened to be carrying war materials and soldiers. The troubles in the Atlantic lasted for years, being called the longest continuous military campaign in World War II, eventually being dubbed the Battle of the Atlantic. So what does one do when you can't travel by land or sea in order to offer support in these trying times? Well, if you are the Allied forces, you decide to travel by air. In 1942, Henry J. Kaiser came up with the idea of a massive flying transport that would be used to transport massive items through the air by flying. Kaiser was an industrialist who had an aluminum, steel, and gypsum business, but perhaps most surprising, worked for a gravel and cement dealer. He would hold this position until the Second World War when he set up to run seven shipyards building ships in four and a half days using the assembly method that Henry Ford made oh so popular. I'm going to come back to Kaiser in just a second, but I do need to briefly mention the second man in our story, Howard Hughes. Hughes was an American manufacturer, aviator, and movie producer whose father invented a rotary bit for drilling that bubbling crude. Oil, that is. Black gold. Texas tea. And as such, he came from a very, very wealthy family. Now obviously there's a lot to the life of Howard Hughes but for the sake of this episode I will say that Hughes ran the company for a bit then he went to Hollywood and made movies. Pretty cool right? Well yes but his movies regularly ran over budget and over schedule. That bit will be important for later. He became interested in aviation and in 1932 founded the Hughes Aircraft Company in Culver City, California. It was in these aircrafts that he established land speed records, made transcontinental flights, and made a flight that circled the globe. The Earth, not the theater. By the 1940s, Hughes had begun to focus on military aircraft and his company obtained government contracts. So now it's 1942. Kaiser and Hughes were approached with the idea of a transport ship that was more of a plane than a ship and after being given the go-ahead, began work on the H-4 Hercules. Now, while Kaiser was on the team initially, he dropped out pretty early due to the delays of the design and the build of what was originally dubbed the HK-1. 
This left Hughes and his team to work on the aircraft alone, but there was just one problem. Because of the war effort, aluminum couldn't be used. It was being diverted for the war. To get around this, it was decided that a birch-based Duramold would be used. That's right, folks. We're talking about the Spruce Goose. So for those of you who don't know, Duramold takes the wood, combines it with resin, then takes that resin wood and forms it using heat and molds. The team was given two years and chose to use wood as the military requested that they use non-strategic materials. Designed as a prototype, the Spruce Goose had a wingspan of 320 feet, a length of 218 feet, a height of 79 feet, a weight while empty of 300,000 pounds, and a cruise speed of 135 miles per hour. It had the capacity to carry 150,000 pounds of material, 750 troops, or two 30-ton tanks. And this was all powered by eight propellers. It was the largest wooden aircraft ever built. So you remember when I said there were delays, right? There were a lot of delays. So many delays that the aircraft missed its regularly scheduled delivery of two years, instead taking an additional three years and again saw the departure of Kaiser and his team. It cost $23 million to produce and Hughes was called before a Senate hearing to see what he had done with the money because it had taken so long and ran so far over budget, they thought he was actually just doing an old-fashioned stealing from the government. And so he had to appear in order to explain himself and show how he spent the money. It was actually during these hearings that Hughes returned to California from Washington during a break. By this point, however, the war was over. It had taken so long to build it that they had completely missed the opportunity to use the Spruce Goose as it was intended. So the question now was, would she fly? The year was 1947, and on this day, November 2nd, the Spruce Goose made its first and only flight. The Senate demanded to know if the plane was airworthy, and so a house-moving company was tasked with the daunting task of moving the large wooden plane, which was in three pieces, through residential streets to Pier E in Long Beach, California. Once this was done, the three pieces were assembled and a hangar was built around it. You will remember that Hughes was in California during a break in the Senate hearings, and part of the reason for him being there was to taxi the Spruce Goose on the water. With a crowd of onlookers and Hughes in the pilot seat, he impromptly lifted the plane into the air for its maiden flight. The H-4 Hercules, the Spruce Goose, rose from the water and flew. For 26 seconds, 70 feet above the water. When asked, why did you do that, what were you thinking, Hughes allegedly responded, it just got away from me, I'm sorry. The Spruce Goose never flew again. It was kept in a climate-controlled hangar until Hughes' death in 1976, the cost of which was $1 million per year. By the mid-70s, ownership of the Spruce Goose went to the Summa Corporation, a holding company that belonged to Hughes. In 1980, the Aero Club of Southern California acquired the Spruce Goose and placed it in a large dome facility. By 1988, the Walt Disney Company acquired it with the intent to display the Hercules in its Port Disney attraction, which actually never came to be. The Walt Disney Company, which had been leasing the aircraft, 
1991, said that they no longer wished to display it and informed the Aero Club of Southern California of their decision. The club then reached out and arranged for the Evergreen Aviation and Space Museum in McMinnville, Oregon, to purchase and display the Spruce Goose. It was disassembled and moved by barge, train, and trucks to its new home, where it was reassembled and can be found there today. That's going to do it for us today. If you like this episode and want to hear more, give us a rate and a review. That helps me on, helps share this in a direction that is hopefully good for all. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can find the Year Was Audio version on your podcast app of choice. You can find me on social media and at YouTube at the Apple Cider Club. And as always, I want to thank the Tim Kreitz Band for our musical theme. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. 